Welcome to Relationship, where real-life couple Justin and Candace share their keeping it real perspective on the ins and outs of their personal and professional experiences, navigating the ups and downs of partnerships in life and business. They will also offer practical advice for maintaining strong, healthy, fun, and successful relationships in life and business. If you're ready for comedic and insightful exploration of life, love, law, business, and everything else in between, you're in the right place. Buckle up, it's going to be a wild ride. Here are your hosts, Justin and Candace. All right, everybody, welcome to Relationship. Today we meet Byron and Christy Wolf, the dynamic couple behind CFOAF, a company driving profit performance for small businesses through legendary financial leadership. Welcome to the show, Byron and Christy. Nice to have you guys. Thank Welcome. You. Thank Thanks, you. Thank guys. you. Thanks for having us. Well, we always start off with our podcast, obviously wanting to know uh, a little bit about you guys. So if you can just take a moment, let us and the audience know um, who you guys are, what you do, when you guys, you know, decided to go into this insane roller coaster ride of being, you know, partners in business and in life. Um, and tell us a little bit about, you know, CFOAF. Okay. So Byron and I have been together almost 18 years. Um, we met about a year after I got a divorce and we immediately, we, our very first date was actually working together. And that has kind of framed our entire relationship. Um, and we've been in, in business together since before we were married, actually before we were even engaged. So we've uh, op- started, operated, and sold businesses together. And so we've been in business together about 15 years. And we have lots of good insider tips to it and some things not to do. But all in all, we really enjoy working together. And I'll let Byron tell you a little bit about the business. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, like Chrissy said, you know, we've we've been in business together. We've started some, we've built them, uh, we've we've sold a few. We have a few that are still going. Uh, we found that we just we work really well together. It doesn't mean that it's perfect, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, we we trust each other uh, you know, implicitly, which is huge. Uh, and so that that trust aspect is is a huge part of it because it really frees you up to like pursue things without having to worry about if somebody has your back, doesn't have your back. Uh, and so we started CFOAF. We saw uh, a huge need for this, just kind of that financial leadership um, that involved the the personalities and uh, the, the the kind of the sociology, the, the psychology of it as well, uh, which, you know, my wife, Chrissy, you know, she has multiple degrees, psychology, sociology, all these things. So she's very good at that people aspect. Uh, I'm just a boring CPA. Uh, so I have that uh, going for me. Um, so I'm really good with the numbers and advising people on those, uh, the numbers. But as we know, you can know your numbers, you can know them inside and out, but if you don't know how to interact with people, you don't have to, uh, if you don't interact with your clients, your customers, your employees, uh, you know, just knowing the numbers isn't enough to make it work. So we knew that that was kind of a dynamic duo for us is to be able to provide that uh, with that fractional CFO, uh, the tax strategy, uh, tax mitigation process for small businesses and individuals. And so we started CFO AF. Um, uh, really just to, to fill that need that we saw in the industry and that we saw with a lot of our friends that were in business and reaching out to us and asking us like how we did it 
how we worked well together, um, you know, how we were able to scale and grow. And so that led us to, uh, to get this going. We've, we've been in it for a while together and, uh, yeah, it's been good. What's a while? How long have you been? We've been doing this business for about two years. So it's pretty young. Prior yeah, to but we've been starting together since 2007, so right. 2008. Yeah. Prior to starting CFO AF, what type of businesses did you guys start together before this? Our first business was a power sports dealership in Tennessee, which we ran for several years. Um, and then we started a leasing company while we were there. And leasing company was kind of what allowed us to get out of the dealership, which wasn't something that we wanted to do being in like a retail industry for several years. Well, also we we're a blended family. So trying to kind of manage having like a personal life and a love life and a vacation life and focus on kids while trying to have a dealership that is, you know, open 72 hours a day was just super exhausting. So we knew that that wasn't sustainable. So we opened a leasing company that was related to that business, but it allowed us to sort of phase out of the dealership, but still retain a lot of our um, our income from the dealership that was way less hands-on. And then uh, we also had a, a, dog, a very successful dog boarding business in Tennessee for uh, about five years before we moved here while Byron was focusing primarily on um, CFO work. And then when we moved out here is when we started really um, combining our skills back together again and to do the fractional CFO services. But we have a not a very like a super heavy kind of HR side of it, but a pretty practical, um, you know, HR aspect of our business to help, you know, make sure that we're filling the right roles for our clients. We don't fill them for them, but we help them decide which ones to fill and how. Got it. Now, let me ask you guys a question because you guys did a couple of businesses um, before you did CFO AF, what would you say were the best lessons or takeaways or skill sets or understandings of each other and working with each other that you took with you from your prior experiences into CFO AF? I would say lanes is probably the biggest one. Uh, so we knew very quickly when we started working together that there was things that I was very, very good at and, you know, I could stay in and I, I could do them well. I unfortunately had the expectation that everybody could do them well and in a very short period of time like I could. It's just not the reality. Uh, right. and there were things that she could do very, very well. Uh, that I either didn't like or or wasn't well probably both wasn't good at didn't didn't enjoy uh, but she was very good at so allowing her to kind of stay in in her lane and me stay out of it and just again that trust aspect of trusting that she knows what she's doing and she can crush it uh, in that space and her giving me that same uh, trust level and know that I'm going to do you know my lanes extremely well uh, allowed us to really all the stuff that fell in the middle. Uh, it really allowed us to really segment that and to either tackle it together uh, or create the SOP and kind of the controls in place so that when we hired somebody, 
We knew exactly what, you know, they needed to do. We knew who was responsible for managing them or oversight. Uh, we knew where the things that, that bled over each other, uh, where they impacted, and we knew how to handle that. And so um, when we sold the dealership, we had the leasing company and the, uh, the dog boarding business. And, and the dog boarding business was really a lot more Chrissy's, you know, arena. I helped very, very little. Uh, she was interacting with clients, customers, employees, all that stuff, the stuff that she really uh, enjoyed doing. That was a big reason I didn't enjoy the dealership is because our staff got really big. I love my staff, but it, it's just draining. This is not something I'm good at. Uh, and we had a huge client base, huge customer base. And so I got to step out of the stuff I didn't enjoy. The leasing was all financials, building the plans, you know, writing the format, very technical stuff that I loved. Uh, so I was able to do a lot more with the leasing company in line with the things that I really enjoy doing. She got to do a lot of stuff with the dog boarding business uh, that like she really loved doing. And so having that kind of step back from the dealership where it was a lot of overlap, uh, kind of focusing on the areas that we really loved and we were really good at uh, allowed us to even better define those roles. And so when we came back together with CFOAF, we had the plan in place. Um, so it wasn't necessarily that we didn't enjoy working together. We did, but working somewhat apart with much less overlap allowed us to really figure out like where we were good, where we were having the most wins so that when we came back together, you know, we really were able to create that dynamic duo relationship where we had very clearly defined lines uh, and, uh, and separation of duty, separation of responsibilities. And, uh, and, and it's been really good. It's not perfect again, but it's, it's, it's really great. Like we really enjoy working together. When we, when we hear, you know, partners saying it's not perfect, that signals to me that there are still some challenges or certain kinks that you're still working out. What might some of those look like in your business and what you're going through right now? Now that you're two years into it, what would you say, you know, because you say it's not perfect. So what, when you say it's not perfect, it that's what it signals to me. What what would you say is the the biggest, you know, ticket items that you guys are still kind of figuring out? Because luckily ours is perfect. So we just need to hear from other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, for, fortunately, I feel like having, when we started the dealership, it was really his business. And so I had to do things his way. And so there was times when he didn't really understand the value of the skills and the ideas that I brought to the business. So when I wanted to focus on branding, when I wanted to focus on marketing, you know, all of those things, he was just more of a, if you build it, they will come type of person, just sell the bikes. And I was like, oh, I don't know anything about a Gixxer. I don't know anything about a Ninja. I don't know anything about any of this stuff. Can I learn it? Yes. But I wasn't particularly interested in selling I wanted to create the vibe that brought the people in. And so in that arena, we butted heads because he didn't want to spend money on branding and marketing if he felt like he could just sell to the people who walked in the door. So there were times when we definitely disagreed on like the vision and how to get there. Then when I had my business, I could do it my way. And I was very much into the branding and the marketing and creating a niche where I could serve a very specific clientele in a very specific way. And then when we came together, it was different in that, like we both did know what we were good at. And he also had 
you know, social media is blowing up so much that the things that he didn't really value in me before he values a lot more in me now. And I definitely value his technical aspect quite a bit because I, it drains me. So I would say when we say it's not perfect, mainly it's just because sometimes we are moody or we have bad days or it's more of just like, it's just the nuances of being like a couple and doing literally everything together. And sometimes mm-hmm. that can be, you know, like, okay, I need some me time, you know, right. I need to step away. So those are more, we don't have a lot of like, I would say our challenges are more just like human challenges more so than they are the business challenges. And have you figured out ways of dealing with the, what might appear to be the imbalance of me time and us time as a couple and getting down to business and then dealing with life in and of itself, families, all that kind of stuff. Like, have you guys figured out that secret sauce? I think in a lot of ways, I mean, for for one thing, our kids are grown. So that makes it a little more palatable to manage all of those different aspects. Um, We have a desk or I have a desk in his office, but I rarely use it unless it's for a very specific cause. And I feel like I need to be there to analyze a certain conversation or situation. Um, But I have my own office. I even have, uh, because he's on Zooms all day. And even though we have a a roomy house, I can hear his voice everywhere. And I'm kind of get that sensory overload. And so I'm, we both love our alone time. But for me, when I say meantime, me time, I'm like, I need no noise. I need no anything. So we have, um, I actually took a closet in our downs. We have a casita, like an attached mother-in-law suite. And I took the closet and I took the shelves out and I made it so cute and so me and I close the door and I turn on the fan and I turn on my like whatever sound journey music or whatever it is this frou-frou stuff and I do my essential oils and then I'm like everybody be gone you know and so that's that's how I cope and you know and then of course we manage our moods by we work out quite a bit and do things like that. But for me, it's pulling away and just being like, okay, I need to not be overloaded with sound and stimulation for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Communication's huge. Um, you know, we had to figure out that like we have to kind of be a little blunt sometimes, you know? And so there are things that, you know, if we went back 10 years, we would have been much less, I guess, upfront, you know, about like, I mean, we will both say to each other sometimes, or, you know, we'll just very bluntly like, Hey, I need some alone time, you know, gotcha. No worries. You know, see, right. a little, you know, or like, you know, Hey, I just, I need to get away for a minute, you know? And, and so 10 years ago, we probably would have felt like we needed to have a way more of an explanation like, Oh, Hey, you know, you know, I love you so much. But, you know, there's just this desire to kind of get up, not from you, but from every, you know, so you would over explain and now we're just like, Hey bro. I need it. That's I it. Need, I need time. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Go watch one of I your stupid shows. You, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will say that. I'm like, hey, go on and watch, go watch some woman porn or whatever. You know? <laughs> it's not really porn. <laughs> it's, uh, but I love I love that. <laughs> it's I Outlander for the love of God. It's, out, it's on Netflix. <laughs> he calls it Lady Porn. It's just it's just are you, are you, was it called Lady Porn or was it was it Sex Life? That that no, show. Literally, it's Outlander. It's, it's based a on a book series. Yeah. He calls it Lady Porn. Got it. 
Anything that oh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that from you, Byron. I like oh, that. It. It's, <laughs> it's historical fiction, guys. It's historical romantic fiction. And he's like, go watch your lady porn. I'm like, well, go watch one of your stupid 911 shows. Everybody's a hero. You know, they're terrible, so, terrible. TV. Yeah, yeah. And, and we'll break away. We'll go watch terrible TV. Uh, you know, or whatever. Just, yeah, or whatever. You know, and just get some time just to kind of reset. Uh, and and like we don't take offense at needing that. You know, it's just it's really blunt, open, honest communication. Uh, we talk about like kind of how we feel. Like she'll say, you know, hey, I just I really feel like I need you know I need more time. Like I need you know I need you to sit down and look me in the eye and let's have a conversation, right? And so and like, he does this. I do. I stare at her. <laughs> like that's that. That's something I would do. So. Very <laughs> passive aggressive. Uh, well, you know, for for guys, you know, it's it's hard for us to have a conversation. Like we need a phone, or we need some kind of activity. When guys hang out with guys, they never look at each other, right? There's always some kind of activity while we're talking. Uh, and that's so, correct. I would agree. Yeah, there, yeah. There, there's a drink in front of you. There, there's a, a game on. There's a yeah. There's there's something going on at all times. Oh, yeah. Some of the best conversations I've had with guy friends are sitting at a bar, a drink in front. We're looking the same direction, Parallel. watching, a, you know, a sports, whatever, you know, like watching the game or, or, you know, something. And you communicate like this, you know, this parallel communication. But with her, like there are times she needs my full attention. You know, she needs me to look her in the eye, like have this conversation, be fully invested. Uh, and I and I get that. Well, I, also, I think that women like to go deep a little bit more. You know, we we, you know, it's. We need to be heard. We need to be acknowledged in certain ways. We need you to really get what, you know, we're feeling and what we're thinking. That's the difference between a guy's dinner and a girl's dinner. When she goes out to dinner with her friends, like it could be a seven o'clock dinner. I won't see her until midnight or 11 o'clock. I go to a seven o'clock dinner. It's like you're back at like 815, 830. Like what you guys do? Like we had dinner. Yeah. <laughs> talked a little bit. I yeah. mean, like, well, like there was no game on. We just talked for like an hour, and that's a lot. Oh, right. That's the end of um, it. That's true. Oh yeah, and she'll tell me about her conversation, you know, and then I'll have one of those dinners. She's like, "What y'all talk about?" I'm like, I don't know, nothing. You know, like we had talked about something. Like I don't know, we, something. I don't know what we talk. Like we don't really have a good answer because it it can be very very surface level, right? Like we don't have those super deep. Um, because honestly, when you're eating, you do have some kind of activity you're eating, but like really the deepest conversations generally occur in like an actual activity. You know, you're out hunting or playing, you know, playing a playing sports or, you know, golf or like, you know, you're doing some activity, not so directly focused. But. So the weirdest way like that, some of the best conversations that he and I have are on our bikes like outdoors riding our bikes. And so before it got crazy hot, we were riding our bikes to and from the gym. Don't think we're that like elite or anything because it's like a two minute bike ride. So like we're not special. <laughs> and our bikes are also electric. So if we want to like use that feature, it's there. Yeah. But what we would do is like a lot of times before it got hot, when we would get back from the gym, we would take a couple of laps around our neighborhood and that parallel, you know, conversation that he likes so much, but we would sometimes talk about that, like the really tough stuff, you know, like maybe there's somebody on our team that's not really pulling their weight and we're trying to decide like, do we keep her? Do we retrain her yet again? Do we redirect her into a different project? You know, those are difficult conversations, not necessarily because there's tension between us, although there has been with those situations, but then just like, 
it's tough to decide those those types of things. And so we would just kind of loop around and talk about it. And that was we we can sometimes get a lot done just yep. doing something silly like that. But the nice thing is it's not in front of the TV. So there's not competing stimuli. There's not a we're not holding our phones. You obviously can't you're not right. you're just not staring at each other, which I'm completely fine with as long as like I feel like the conversation is accomplishing what it needs to accomplish. You know, it's it's funny that I want to go back to what you just said, because um, that seems to be a reoccurring theme with a lot of our guests is, you know, in when obviously when you are getting successful, you're also thinking about scaling and you are scaling. And part of scaling is obviously building your team. And, you know, what I often hear from our guests is that, you know, yeah, you know, X amount of time we spent kind of figuring each other out. And, you know, now that we've kind of figured each other out, strengths and weaknesses, everybody's staying in their lanes. The challenge has ultimately been for everybody. And what this, the status of the challenge from really the point of growth and it is ongoing. And our last podcast guest actually said, you know, aren't entrepreneurs are not um, great uh, hires because you ultimately try to hire people that are just like you. And so have you guys figured out or, or is that still a challenge for you guys in dealing with your team members or is 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 that something that you guys just never really was a struggle for you guys in dealing with team members and hiring and all that kind of stuff? I mean, it doesn't matter how I have a, you know, a background in HR and recruitment and it doesn't matter how much practice you have, like nobody's perfect at hiring. Hmm. You, people can be different in an interview than they are in real life, you know. 100%. Right. And so that can be a, a point of stress, certainly, uh, really our issue, I don't want to call it issue, our dynamic more so is that he doesn't really like to manage people, but he will do what I ask him to do. So if I say, hey, could you create a training video where you explain this concept in a, in more detail than what we've explained it, he will do that. Although I may have to ask him three times, but he will do that. Um, but he doesn't really like, I would venture to say, you don't really like confrontation. And um, while I don't love it, it's something that I try to lovingly deal with. And then, but I think the hardest point for us right now is like actually letting people go because he's always been the one to let people go. But now that I'm really managing the team more so than he is, it's like, how does he just pop in and be like, and you're fired, you know, like you don't really know me, (laughs) but that's also a skill in and of itself. I've gotten very good at it. it. I mean, like I've gotten good at it over the last, you know, being in business for the last like 13 years. It, Would you it, like it, to do it? Would you like to fire somebody for us? I'm, just I, 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 I'm great. I, I just go, you know, I, I have different approaches for different people. That's how you have to do it. Everybody's different. But I'm curious, though, Chrissy, you kept saying, if I need him to do something, I'll just ask him, are you, do you try to avoid having to deal with tough conversations with team members? And that's why you're asking him. Sometimes you know, I don't typically mind tough conversations. Um, no, I'll ask, no, more so for training. Like if I don't understand how to do something, I have to have him explain it. Cause I don't doubt some of the technical stuff. I don't really tend to avoid difficult conversations as long as I understand what I'm talking about. If I Got don't it. understand what I'm 
talking about he either needs to partner with me or he needs to do it. Got it. How do you guys deal with conflict? With each other or with yep. everybody else? With well, we could do we could do it in two parts. How do you deal with conflict with each other? And then how do you deal with conflict you guys against the world? Yeah, so we we're on different sides of conflict. So, you know, she is in in my opinion, she likes to like if it exists, she wants to get into it, get it solved, move on. Uh and I am more the type that if there is conflict, like I need a minute to absorb it, kind of think about it, figure out the game plan, come back to it. Uh and so knowing that, she's she's very good at like giving me some space, but she wants to like she wants to check it off, you know, as, as quick as possible. And right. so like, she'll give me a little bit of space, but you know, whereas I would probably just avoid it forever and be like, Hey, we'll talk about this, you know, in 40 years, she's like, you know, Hey, I gave you space. Like, let's go, you know? So right, right. You know, we, we have to, to kind of talk it through. Um, and we have to know, like, it, she's very aware of it though. There, if the conflict is, is, is bigger um, than normal, there are times I'm just like, okay, fine, do whatever you want. You know, and she knows that that's not a real response. Right. And I right. I know that too, but like, that's kind of my, my go-to when I'm kind of overwhelmed. And so she knows that's not a real response. So she'll give me a little bit of space. We'll come back to it. We'll address it. So a lot of times it can be taken care of, you know, in that first one, but sometimes it can take a little time because, you know, I have to kind of come to it in sections, whereas she, she's ready to deal with it like immediately. Not let's, always. Well, not always, but most of the, you know, much more than I am. She's ready to, to knock it out and like, let's just be done with it. Let's just move on. Um, so she has to give me some space, some patience to, uh, to kind of absorb what occurred and come up with a game plan. Um, you know, and then we can kind of deal with it. But again, it's, it's all about communication. Uh, you know, when it comes to like dealing with conflict with other people, uh, she has to kind of remind me, like I will, I'll generally deal with stuff, you know, once or twice. And then if it like repeats over and over again, I just get kind of frustrated and I want to shut down. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, yeah, and, which I think is normal-ish, but uh, so she's very good at being like, hey, like you need to deal with this. Like you need, and so like my latest response is like, well, let's just like schedule it. Because if if we schedule it now, like I have a deadline, I have to deal with it. Like, so she'll put stuff on my calendar, which if people saw it, they'd be like, that's ridiculous. Why is that on your calendar? But it works for me, right? Because right, you know, right. like if it's scheduled, like I'm like, okay, crap. I've procrastinated as long as I can. Like it's on the schedule now. So now I got to deal with whatever this issue is. So, you know, even though it's probably frustrating for her, cause she's probably like, you know, once you just deal with it, like putting it on the schedule is great for me because it gives me kind of a deadline. I have to get my head wrapped around it. Now I've got to deal with it. Like, yeah. And that's not internal team stuff. That's more external stuff. You know, like if he has a client or a partner issue that he needs to discuss with them and it's kind of brewing, you know, it may, take him a little bit of time to figure out like he'll get frustrated multiple times before sometimes he'll address things and it's not my issue to address you know it's not I'm not in an agreement with them I'm not in a situation with them he is and so we'll usually just have to talk about those things several times and really just sort of reason through you know where the where the frustration is coming in and then finally he'll usually deal with it but it takes a minute (laughs) He does not like conflict. He does not like conflict. I don't think anybody likes 
conflict, but I think he's extra <laughs> But yeah, let me ask you guys if you guys go through this, you know, now that we're talking about conflict. I'm I'm curious is, you know, if if other couples that are also partners in business do this. So I don't like conflict, but I'm very, and I, I don't like conflict, but I communicate in a very, very direct way, which you would think are very, I, I guess, opposing type of characteristics. Like if you don't like conflict, then maybe you would come up with a much flowery delivery rather than being as direct as I am. And so because I am a very direct person and it can rub people the wrong way, I often use Justin as my problem solver or I make him like kind of like the scapegoat to deal with all the shit because, you know, he just has a way about him. He's just it's a it's a lot. The delivery is just much, much better. Um, it's it's a lot less antagonistic. I would say I'm calling myself out. I own it. Um, do you guys do that? Like, do you guys kind of kind of force the other one to to do the things that you know the kind of the dirty the dirty work for you like I don't know I don't know I mean I think if I just see him like perpetually frustrated in a situation I'm just gonna like push him to deal with it but um and I think he does the same for me but I don't think we're necessarily like we're definitely differently gifted but I don't I don't know that either one of us is so great at dealing with conflict that one of us is the standout conflict dealer with her it would be like, that's why we're trying to get you to do it for us. I mean, it sounds like you got it covered. Like, we'll just call you anytime we have issues. Yeah. Justin's fantastic yeah, okay. at it. I will yeah, tell I, you. I could fire someone. They don't even know they're fired yet. I mean, because they had to be that they're fired. That's the that's the amazing thing. I'm like Justin. What was the whole point of that conversation? He's it's like, a mutual parting. It's a mutual part. I, I get yeah. them. I I got them to agree that maybe here's not the best place. So we all <laughs> walked away in agreement that that's the best thing to do. No, I agree with that. He's yeah. amazing at firing people, but it yeah. was but with this not with the fully remote situation makes it a little a little different. You know, I like I felt like when it was like, hey, let's you know come into my office and let's have a conversation. It was the same thing. He was just like, you know, I just see you really thriving in this other environment so much better. You know, <laughs> he's helped people like, and we've helped people find jobs that were a better fit for them when they weren't a good fit for us. But I do think it's a little bit harder when you don't ever really directly work with somebody, you know, and they're just not putting out great work. Cause you're trying to identify like, why is that? You know, is it lack of clarity? Is it lack of, instruction is it lack of motivation you know like what is it it's so much harder to identify in a remote situation versus like on the sales floor or whatever in a dealership and i think it's also challenging from generational issues right like you know if if you're from a certain generation you know i i'm in my you know mid to late 40s and you know a lot of my team members are you know a generation or two younger than me. And that's, you know, oftentimes very frustrating. Yeah, we have a very young team right now. Just we like do a very young team right now. Um, and so, you know, kind of the way that I was raised, which was the school of hard knocks and tough love, I know I can't do with a, you know, 20 year old or 25 year old where I have to first go through, you know, what your feelings are. Why do you feel this way? And that's just, that's not a part of my vernacular. It just isn't. Um, But, you know, and I've had to shift it and I don't like being inauthentic. 
So when I go through the certain processes with younger team members, I kind of feel like I'm being inauthentic because I'm trying to give it the real go to write, to, to solve the problem and to get you. But because I wasn't trained that way, I wasn't raised that way. I don't have the patience for it because what's going through my mind is, I don't care about feelings. I care about facts. <laughs> I want to know factually what is happening in this situation. If you can tell me factually what occurred and then tell me the feelings that came out of those facts, all right, you might you might get me. Mm-hmm. But if you want to jump through the facts and just talk about the feelings, I automatically go to a place of, uh-uh, you're not going to go there with me. It's a mm-hmm. sense of entitlement. You are, you know, gaslighting the situation. Like, like my hair, my mind starts spiraling. And I'm like, why do you keep wanting to talk about feelings? I want to talk about the facts of what you did or you didn't do. So I I deal with the facts and the feelings and it just works. So we just. No, you deal with more of the feelings. I I, I deal with the feelings and the facts at the same time. You know, it's not not one or the other. A lot of our, our team is um, offshore in the Philippines not all, but, you know, a few are. And the nice part about that is, is they have a really great work ethic. Yes. Yeah. We have one too. They, we have a VA as well. They don't ever tell me about their feelings either, which is super, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they'll tell me about their lives. Sometimes they'll say, you know, we're having, we're having really bad weather. And, you know, my, my son is scared and he's crying or whatever. And I'm very empathic. And I'll say, Hey, if you need to take the day off to deal with, you know, your situation, you know, whatever, do what you need to do or praying for your family, your safety, all of that. Um, but they're less likely to do some of the entitled things that maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe if Americans come off as more entitled, when I had the dog boarding business, I had a lot of young women and some guys that worked for me, a lot of high schoolers and college students and I guess their feelings never bother me, but I'm like you, like, let's get back to the point. Like if you're late and the dogs are counting on you and they can't count on you, then you're letting living creatures down and that's not okay. So I'm sorry that you had like, you're going through a breakup, but if you can't perform your job, then what are we going to do about it? Right. Like, so probably a little bit more like your hubby hair of like a little bit of both. I can usually do a little bit of both. But the facts matter. They remain. You still have to yeah. You know? Yeah. And if, if they start crying, I'm just done. Like, you know, it, that's like my kryptonite. You know, it's like <laughs> if I'm having a conversation and the tears come, I'm just like, uh, okay, well, like, all right, we'll come back to this later. Yeah, can't deal with it. Like, uh, I'm out. <laughs> um, sure. Well, me, I want to ask you guys um, a little question uh, about the CFO or the, I, the fr- you guys call it the fractional CFO business, correct? And I'm asking this not only, you know, obviously, because we want to, you know, showcase what it is that you guys do, but we're also curious as business owners in really, you know, because I've, I've heard of this fractional CFO concept for a little over a year now. And I always look at Justin, I'm like, do we need like what what help people identify like we're, we're, we're a small law firm yeah. like 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 what type of industries do you work with like people identify like when is a fractional cfo 
When does it make sense? When do you know if you need one at all? Yeah, so our primary clients, the ones who are kind of the top tier of our services are usually having annual revenue of about three to 30 million a year. So they may not be in a position where they're ready to hire a full-time CFO, but just having a bookkeeper and an accountant isn't doing it for them because not everybody in that space and most people I would venture to say in that space don't have an entrepreneurial mindset. Whereas we do, and especially he does. So he can really speak to like the scaling of a business, mergers and acquisitions, growing your business by adding a new department, any of those types of things. Um, He can also, he understands all of the business financial reporting, not just some of it and how it plays into all the different arenas of your business growth or if you're trying to get funding, like all of these things come together, you need somebody high level that can actually like help you make really good decisions that make not only keep you up at night, but actually keep you from growing. So we work with a lot of people that maybe are stuck at a certain level and we help them figure out how to take a step back, to take a step forward, like multiple steps forward. And we work with them on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis to go through very specific strategies to make sure that their finances are growing in the direction that they need them to do. So we have a financial meeting that's very every month that's very highly focused and has all these beautiful, but very easy to understand reports because just because you're in business doesn't mean you understand all of that stuff just magically overnight. It takes time. And then we have a lot of other areas that we work in, like the asset protection and just you know, how to protect your business from all of the things that could go wrong financially, everything from your HR, you know, we even, you know, one of the very first things we're going to look at is your business structure, you know? So there is kind of somebody may touch up against the the law piece a little bit, but obviously as a CPA, he's focused differently and it's more focused on the financial um, asset protection and growth of the business. Yeah, so. Yeah, take the place of the bookkeeper and accountant? Uh, we can, although if you have a good bookkeeper accountant in place, uh, we actually prefer that they stay in place uh, because we like having the person that's kind of looking at the past uh, that has an understanding of the business and is already in the business. So with, with bookkeeping, really you're looking at like what's occurring kind of in the present. Uh, with your CPA, your CPA is looking at what occurred in the past uh, to calculate what your, you know, your tax consequences are and how much you're going to have to pay. With a CFO, it is looking at essentially what the CPA has created in the past, looking at what the bookkeeper and the accountant have done in the present, but we're focused on the future. So with the CFO services, we're looking at what you've done in the past to find the metrics that have the best relation to increasing your profitability, uh, smoothing out your cash flow, uh, potentially improving your revenue. Although revenue, I would put last in that series. Like to me, profit is everything. Cash flow is king because it's the lifeblood of your business. And then your revenue, you know, is is kind of last on the thing because we want you to continue to grow in your revenue. Uh, but I don't know too many people that would disagree with this statement. I would rather keep more money in my pocket than make more money and take home the same amount, right? Like I don't right. want more work for the same money. I want right. 
more money for less work. And so when we focus in those areas and then we pre- create the forecast so we can look at your key metrics, that's what she's talking about, the reports. We make it very simple. It's it's colors. It's green, yellow, and red. And so depending on what needs to be focused on, if it's green, you're good. You're operating inside the lines where we need you to be for whatever that metric is. If you're yellow, we need a little bit of work here, and we're going to point out what that work is. We're going to put that on the scorecard so you know what needs to happen, what the action plans are. If it's red, we have a major issue here. We're way outside of the lines where we need to be. So this is our main focus right now. So we go directly to the action plan. Uh, We're at here. This is where we need to be. This is how we're going to fix it. Here's who who is responsible. Uh, Here's when they need to have it done. And here's the steps they need to complete to get back to where we want to be. And so the the CFO services is the future. So we're looking at what you've done in the past to create the forecast of where we can be if we do this in the right manner, and then constantly adjusting that so that we know that we're going to hit the targets that we want. Uh, And we're also looking at that five-year plan because realistically, it's a five-year plan from when you say, hey, I might be interested in selling the business at some point. It's around five years to make an exit uh, or what they say, exit without exiting, hiring in the right people. You keep ownership, but you're not actively involved in the business. You've created the executive team that's running it for you and they're you know, producing that profitability that you can live off of. Uh, so that's really a five-year plan. So we're looking at that five-year plan, doing that forecast out to it and making sure that we're following the steps uh, to get there. And then we're also helping you through all of those milestones because the, the scaling of a business is very different. What you do to get to a million is going to be very different from what gets you to 3 million. What gets you to 3 million is very different than what gets you to 10 million. And most people don't know those steps uh, or they become so focused on getting to that that they don't realize that they've hit the ceiling and they keep doing what they've done in the past to try to break through it. But you can't because what got, got you to is not what gets you to the next level. Mm-hmm. 100%. Now, we're, we're approaching the time that we're going to have to end this. So there's two things I want to make sure that. So I apologize for kind of cutting you off if you weren't done, but there's two things I definitely want to talk about or have you mentioned before we end this. First thing is, where does everybody find you guys? So tell everybody, you know, all of your social media handles, your website, everything, everything of how we can find you. Yeah, so we are at CFOAF dot com and uh you can email us at hello at cfoaf.com and we are on social media um we do have a youtube channel which we it's we're kind of new to it so you know go check us out leave us some like weird heckling type comments I think it's at the but interesting ask. I love that. Yeah, I mean, why not? You know, it's uh, at the underscore CFOAF. Um, and I would say those are the, the best. And he's on Instagram at the same. Handle. Yeah. Yeah. The underscore CFOAF, uh, Facebook, um, CFOAF, I believe. Or the, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, we're so. trying. We're you know, those are probably our best ways to reach us, but definitely email us. If you guys, if anybody has any specific questions, we, we're happy to, to see what we can do to get those answered for you. That's awesome. We might, we might be reaching out to you very, very yeah. shortly. Yeah. Um, but this is, I always like to end our podcast with this question. So in the 18 years you've been together and the many businesses you've started and 
the one that you're currently doing now together, of every one of your experiences, both in business and life, what has been your biggest lesson or biggest takeaway thus far? You may take it or you got it. I want I want both of you to tell. Okay. I want okay. both of you to tell us. Well, he talked about he talked about staying in your lane. I would say kind of the inverse or the flip side of that coin is um not expecting somebody to take up the lane you don't want to. So a lot of times when we have a, a high level visionary in, in a relationship, they have all these great ideas and they're like, hey, I just need you to do these five million things to make my ideas a reality. And that's not realistic. It may work for a short period of time, but it's not sustainable. So I'd say that was my number one tip is don't try to force somebody into a a role inverse from yours just because it's convenient for your business. Really understand like in our relationship, we're both visionaries. We both can integrate, but we integrate quite differently, taking advantage of our strengths and then hiring out for our weaknesses because we can't be expected to do everything that the other person doesn't like doing. That's a great one. I like that a lot. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, probably my biggest one is the communication aspect. Uh, you know, don't make assumptions that people understand where you're coming from or what you mean or any of that stuff. Uh, clear, concise communication has just been game changer for us, uh, you know, and not being scared to communicate, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, just because something may seem, you know, uh, that that it would go over poorly or that somebody may take offense at it, you know, still you need to have the that talk. You need to have that communication because if you just assume that they understand where you're coming from or you make, you know, assumptions, what's the, you know, assuming is just making an ass of you and me, I think is the- 100%. No, but, you know, if, if you have that communication, you can really get through anything, you know, and having that and being open to it is an amazing piece. And as somebody who does not love to communicate, um, you know, me saying that says a lot because I would much rather just send you a text or an email. <laughs> than have that communication. I think all guys would rather send a text. Yeah, I think if you're going to assume anything about your partner in business, if you're married to them is assume that they have your back always indefinitely and go from there. Like you can't really go wrong with that mentality of assuming that you have each other's back. Yeah. Yeah. We always look at, you know, our rule is what was the intent behind something? Mm -hmm. You know, if we tried something and it didn't work out or, you know, we have a conflict or we get into a fight, I'm always like, what was the intent? What were you trying to achieve? (laughs) Like, what was like, because the intent is always good, right? Like Justin's always like, but I I didn't have any bad intent when I said that or when I whatever. So we have to always remind each other the intent is always right. And the intent is always there. My intent is not to fuck it up. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sometimes it just happens like that. It's just like that. That's it. (laughs) It happens. Same. I relate to that. You guys have been really, really great. Uh, it was great getting to know you guys. Nice to meet you. And you actually have a service that we are looking into. So hopefully we can talk soon. We'll definitely be reaching out to you. Thanks for sharing your story with relationship, you know, peeps out there. And um, I wish you guys the best of luck. And uh, I look forward to talking to you guys soon. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys.
That's a wrap for this week's episode. Don't miss next week's episode for more relatable, real, and practical insights from Relationship, packed with even more candid conversations. So make sure to subscribe, tune in, and keep your wine glass full. And if you want to share your own experience or ask a question, follow us on social media and feel free to reach out. Go to CernitzLaw.com, call 888-68-DAMAGE, or email us at cshanbraun at CernitzLaw.com or jcernitz at CernitzLaw.com.